Hello there, welcome back to the Tigers Down Under. It's been a few weeks since our last episode, but we're back from this week, hopefully, all the way through to the end of the season. Um, I'm your host, as always, Alex, and with me tonight, I have Logan. Yeah, good evening, Alex, and all the Tigers fans. It's been a very happy seven days, and um, it's really been a happy couple of weeks since our last episode with a fair few wins under our belts now, and, and particularly the last seven days with the two wins, seven goals scored, uh, pretty incredible. Um, we'll start with that Norwich game, the 4-3, and I don't really know where to start. There were so many talking points out of this one. Um, I guess a point to start with is is the four penalties scored. Um, I think it was the first time in a league match or perhaps just a championship match where that's been the case. Uh, not all of them potentially penalties in everyone's eyes, but uh, certainly made the game a bit more exciting. Yeah, it certainly did. I think that, uh, in all honesty, uh, as you mentioned, the penalties were uh, contentious in, in many, many different ways. And uh, there'd be arguments made for almost all of them that uh, they probably weren't penalties or you've seen people get away with a lot less. Uh, but I think the, the, the most uh, positive side of things from, from a City uh, perspective is the fact that uh, the person who was on the end of them was Abel Hernandez and the fact that he took them with such confidence and converted both of them very comfortably. Um, certainly um, reintroduced himself to the fans and, and boy, was it a, a welcome return for, um, for Fable. Yeah, I mean, the previous game against Millwall, we lost 2-1, but he scored in the second half and we uh, tweeted out saying how great it was to have him back. It's it's always a stronger City side when Hernandez is on the pitch. Um, and, and as you say, it's great to see him back scoring goals, even if they are just penalties. Um interesting aspect of it as well. I mean, we started the game really well. We were absolutely dominant for the first 10 or so minutes. Um, and uh, and Jackson Irvine got the first goal, assisted by Harry Wilson, who we'll talk about to a greater extent in a little bit. Uh, but it really could have been two, three, four goals before Norwich got a foothold in the game and, and turned it on its head. Um, but then the incredible thing was we were 3-1 down and we came back to win. And I, I think everyone's sort of scratching their heads of the last time we came from two goals down in a league game. And everyone's sort of thinking it's sometime in the 80s, which is absolutely ridiculous when you think about it. Yeah, without a doubt. We, we talk often about the, the fact that in the past or in recent history, certainly, uh, City have been a, a team that play very well from in front. But we're not seeing that this season at all uh, in the slightest and uh, any kind of lead never really feels like you're comfortable uh, regardless of how many goals you may lead by or the time of the game that the, the goals are actually scored and I think that that Norwich game probably tells the tale of our season in many respects uh, the fact that we, we scored early and uh, as you said piled on tons of pressure and really looked the by far the more dominant side and then uh, Blinken where we're three goals down to one and uh, really kind of on the back foot. So uh, full credit to the to the team for, for being able to, to rally, but I think it just probably adds to the unpredictability of, of the City side this season and uh, probably shows us that despite being in a much more comfortable position uh, than we were seven days ago, uh, that there's still a lot of work to be done before uh, we can guarantee our safety. Uh, and as unpredictable as the City side is, one predictable element seems to be if Harry Wilson starts, Harry Wilson scores. And he's just had a remarkable start to his time in a City shirt. Um, he also scored against Ipswich, uh, a game we'll talk about a little bit later. But scoring the winner in this game with the composure that he had to weave his way into the box was phenomenal. It's it's a similar story to Jared Bowen, where, where Wilson's essentially playing his first full season as a pro. I know he had a, a loan uh, at a, another lower league club last season just getting started but this is really his first taste of men's football and he's just taken to it like a duck to water 
It feels like only a few short weeks ago we were uh, kind of frustrated with the the transfer window and the players that had come in and kind of mentioned the underwhelming nature of the the signings and how whilst we would be willing to get behind the players, it certainly didn't instill much confidence. Uh, Harry Wilson has come from absolutely nowhere to uh, provide some of the most impressive goals we've we've seen in recent times in a, in a city shirt. Um, particularly the way he seems to have that composure, as you mentioned. Um, he, he doesn't look too un, uh, phased in the final third, but he does get that ball. And um, as you said, the, the goal where he was able to weave through a few defenders and, and place that beautiful shot to the, to the bottom left-hand side of the goal was it was fantastic for such a young player to have that level of, um, of, of ability. And as you say, um, composure at such a young age is incredibly promising signs. And I think that probably just serves to say how upsetting it is that it's only a loan spell because, uh, as you mentioned, he probably could well be the, the signing of the season to date as far as the, the impact he's had in, in such a short amount of time. And uh, what a signing he would be. I think he's certainly a player to watch for Liverpool in the future, but um, more importantly for City, as far as our survival push goes, he seems to be the man at the moment. Do you think there's any chance we could get him back on loan next season? I think... Obviously, he's not going to walk into the Liverpool side next season. I think it's probably a bit too soon for a Premier League loan, but who knows? I mean, we saw Tammy Abraham take the step up to Swansea quite quickly from his spell at Bristol City. Um, If we were to sort of strengthen a little bit over the summer and look to consolidate and push up the table, it could be seen as a perfect loan from Liverpool's point of view that it's going to a club he's already familiar with and a club that might be sort of progressing up the table and 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 sort of the pe- the perfect sort of stage of his development do you see there being any chance of that or is it one of those things that perhaps us as the fans really want but the club knowing the way the club sometimes operates just might not pursue I think the fact that the, probably the amount of uncertainty that we kind of seem to have with the club at the moment as you've, you've touched on uh, with the arms we don't know if they're going to be there next season we don't know what the administration will look like. Uh, so to be kind of jumping forward and thinking about those things is probably a little bit too early to call. I certainly know that the fans seem to be very fond of the, the manner and the way he's gone about his business and certainly the goals that he's added to uh, to the squad. But I just think that um, while ever he's playing at this kind of level and um, it seems to be attracting um, quite some, some headlines, or certainly up in Hull, um, you'd be surprised to not see one of a bigger club, perhaps a a so-called big championship club or perhaps one of those lower Premier League teams um, maybe come in and take a punt on him and, and be a, a suitor for, for a loan spell as well. But obviously Liverpool have signed him to a long-term contract and they see something in him uh, that we're obviously bearing the fruits of at the moment. So, uh, look, whilst it would be a nice addition, uh, I think that, as we said, the, the uncertainty that plagues the club at the moment, probably uh, it's too early to, to make any kind of... Um, estimate as to where Harry Wilson will be next season and, and whether Hull would be a, an option for him or not. Uh, and then I guess the the one negative of the game that we, we'll probably touch on, um, I know we've sort of harped on it in previous seasons or last season as well, uh, and so it's sort of a point that's been made before, but Marshall really looked shaky in goal. That second Norwich goal, really, he should have done a whole lot better for, and at that point, going 2-1 down, it really looked as if the momentum had swung, Norwich were in control, and that was pretty much game over um, from a pretty cost. And, and, you know, at fault for that first penalty as well, coming out of his box as he did quite rashly. Um, quite concerning because obviously we know that he was a great goalkeeper for Cardiff. It's not as if he's this hopeless keeper that we knew was hopeless when we signed him. He does have a good, um, you know, shot-stopping ability in him, but we just haven't seen it in the City shirt. And it's one of those ones that I think we talked about last season 
it's almost like it's just not going to happen for him at City. It's all, he just needs to move on to another club where he can have a proper fresh start, get his confidence back and start playing the way we know he can play. That's right. And you just wonder if the relationship between Alan McGregor and him uh, in the in the Scotland team, he was certainly fancied as the number one with um, McGregor playing second fiddle. Uh, his time at City is certainly reversed. And I think that um, we're, we're seeing the form of David Marshall, as you mentioned, hasn't played all that much football. And when he has played, he, he hasn't looked very promising at all. Uh, I'm never one to, to slate a, a player in a, in a City shirt. And I think that uh, you know, particularly in the position we find ourselves, it's not going to do us any good for the for the fans to be on David Marshall's back. But as you mentioned, um, he hasn't really given us too much confidence in the the manner of his uh, performance lately, and uh, kind of does get that feeling that if uh, Alan McGregor's injured, sorry, um, is David Marshall a suitable replacement, or are we at the point where, um, as, as far as the shaky defence that we've been showing, that we need to look elsewhere for for another suitor? Um, it, it certainly seems to be um, half of the player that he once was um, and certainly did come to City with, as you mentioned, his time at Cardiff, very positive and came okay, with huge accolades. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully, um, I mean, there was hope that he'd sort of pick up a little bit this season. If that's not happened so far, hopefully if he does get another opportunity, he can turn that corner. But uh, it's going to be an interesting one in the summer. I, I do. It's going to be interesting um, as well because of the fact that McGregor's out of contract and seems a little bit as if it's going the way of the uh, David Myler contract situation where McGregor's just going to be kind of left out in the in the dark and, and, and not given a contract extension or a new contract. And um, the Alums might just be looking at it from the point of view as well. We've got two goalkeepers, both on quite a big wage. Marshall contracted for another season or two. I'm not sure how long the deal was. McGregor not contracted. Why would we offer McGregor a new contract? Um, which would be quite a sad situation if that's the way it's going to go because McGregor's been such a great servant for the club. And I think it's pretty plain to see, like we've just been saying, that Marshall does need a new start somewhere else. Um, I mean, maybe as you say, with the relationship with Marshall and with McGregor in the Scot- Scottish team, that if McGregor were to leave the club, maybe Marshall would improve. Um, who's to say? I, I mean, that would hopefully be the case if he is going to be our number one next season. But... Uh, it's going to be a very interesting summer to see who we sort of try to shift out of the club, who we look to retain. And uh, we'll, we'll actually do a bit of a piece next week, given it's the international break, where we'll sort of look at it from our point of view and on how we would want to sort of structure the, the re-signings, any new signings, any sales and that sort of thing. Um, but for now, we'll move on and talk about the other great win that we've had. It was uh, yesterday morning against Ipswich, 3-0 as an away win our largest since our 4-0 against Cardiff back in the Premier League. Uh, so it was a very unexpected win. I think it's our first back-to-back wins of the season. And uh, it's, it's really been an incredible turnaround the last couple of weeks. It's um, incredible when you look at the stat that over our first 30 games, we had five wins. And over our last seven games, we've had four wins. So uh, when you put it in those sorts of terms, it really shows just how much we've actually suddenly flicked the switch and kind of clicked as a team. Uh, and, and hopefully that sort of spurs us on to safety. Without a doubt, it's amazing what back-to-back wins can do for a team's confidence. And, I mean, it almost seems that when we find ourselves on the receiving end of a couple of losses, that the, uh, I guess the, the main topic of discussions seems to be the disgruntled nature of the relationship between the, the fans and the Alums. But on the back of uh, two wins, it's nice to be talking about football and the, the positive feel around the club at the moment. Um, uh, what a difference a week can make. And... As you mentioned, uh, as an away game, um, a 3-0 scoreline is certainly one that we're not accustomed to seeing too often um, with our away record um, in, in recent times. So uh, certainly an impressive victory yesterday and, and one that 
really, as far as the the league table goes, um, does absolute wonders for us and puts us um, with quite a quite a nice little safety bracket. Um, and as you mentioned, the, the level of it being quite an unexpected one. Um, if we were to play the game last week uh, when it was due to be played, or perhaps a week before, um, would we've got the same result? I'm not so sure. I think having that Norwich um, victory and then being able to to back it up with the uh, play so soon after, I think that we kind of had our tails up and. Uh, really put in a, a quality performance and one that certainly uh, was, a, was a needed one. Yeah, it's blown the table wide open. I think we're up to uh, a pretty decent position in the table above that massive club in Sheffield Wednesday, uh, which is a bit bit weird to sort of think that we're nine points clear of the relegation zone now when only a couple of weeks ago it was basically a point or two separating us from them. Um, yeah, I mean, up in 17th now and really we can look to you know push on up the table rather than worry that much about uh, looking down. Uh, we've got a game this weekend against Birmingham, which we'll talk about a bit later, which could put an even bigger gap um, between us and that bottom three. Um, one of the key performances of the game against Ipswich was a pretty maligned figure this season, Marcus Hen- Henriksen, who um, got a goal, got an assist, and, and is really starting to show a bit. Uh, we, we sort of talked pre-season that he was one of those figures that we thought would really sort of take to the championship and be one of the better players, and it's, it's not quite happened for him, but it looks as if maybe he's sort of turning a corner now, finding his groove in the team, and, and it's a really positive move for him. With, with the time that Marcus Henriksen has actually spent fit at City, it's always very hard to get a read on the guy. I think that he, he's played some patches of very good football, but... Um, I, I guess, and I'd have to agree with a lot of his critics, is he's gone missing in games uh, regularly. Um, uh, comments like, is Marcus Henriksen on the field? Sorry, particularly when you've got some of the, the flair that we have had on the bench, and Marcus Henriksen has almost got that kind of unknown start up in, in the uh, number 10 role, which is you know uh, quite perplexing when we've been playing one striker so often, and he just doesn't seem to instill that attacking confidence. But as you mentioned, the last couple of weeks, he's, he's been very hard to fall. And sometimes you do see a player like that who kind of has all of the attributes who we've been very critical of, gets a string of games under his belt and, and finds a goal and an assist here and there. And all of a sudden, his confidence has changed. And as you mentioned, the last two games, Marcus Henriksen has looked like a, a very new player and seems to be one that's playing with a bit of confidence. And, you know, who's to, who's to say what he could do with a, a couple more games under his belt and a few more positive performances? But it's really impressive to see that as we've turned the corner in our form that he's been one of the main contributors. And it was that man again, Harry Wilson, getting a goal. Uh, I think it was the second goal in the game. Uh, very well taken one at that. And then Jared Bowen getting back on the score sheet, who's... Um, who's really sort of had a, had a tremendous season. We've all, we've said it almost every week whenever he's scored goals, and uh, it's great to see. I, I saw it, it was a nice bit of uh, attitude from him when he, you know, he commented on the game afterwards, saying, you know, it's great to be back on the score sheet, sort of saying as if it's that ex- that expectation from him that every game he goes into is expecting to score. Very tidy finish under the Ipswich keeper as well to make it 3-0. And it's, it's a great sort of thing to see. I mean, all three of those goals coming from our, essentially from our midfield, um, really shows that we've got that flexibility and that unpredictability, and that's what you want in a side. You know, whether it's facing relegation or fighting for the promotion, you need to you need to have goals coming from everywhere, basically. And so much of the talk seems to centre around our bigger money signings in our um, Krasicki and also with Abel Menendez, who we haven't really had um, you know available all that much. So to see, as you mentioned, Jared Bowen and Harry Wilson being the the regular contributors, as two two younger players with their tails up and playing with a lot of confidence. And just is quite, quite a very vindicative of, of how the 
championship roles and how it's not necessarily the biggest names on paper that seem to, to stand out. But uh, to see Jared Bowen, as you mentioned, having that confidence and having that kind of um, gritty attitude that he expects to score now is, uh, is only a positive thing for, for the City team, uh, City fans as well, rather. And um, certainly for him going forward as he starts to mature and um, gets into that kind of um, older age bracket where he becomes more of an experienced footballer, uh, if he continues to be scoring the goals, there's not really any telling to where he could go. Um, there's certainly interested suitors already, um, and I think that the summer transfer window will be a very interesting one. Well, a side that we also showed our goal-scoring prowess against is a side we played this weekend in Birmingham. Uh, 6-1 the last time we faced them at the KCOM. Goals from six different players, which is a pretty rare sight, with Campbell, Myler, Bowen, Grzycki, Henriksen and Larson all getting on the goal she- on the uh, scoring sheet. The uh, clean sheet soured in the last minute of the game, but still a very, very impressive win. And it's it's good to sort of get back amongst it against a team like this who really, as we were just saying, uh, there's a lot of significance in, in the game against Birmingham this weekend. If we can beat them, putting 12 points between us and them, it, it really, I mean... Eight games to go, mathematically, we wouldn't be safe. But you would think, with, at the rate that those sides are picking up points and winning games, 12 points is a you know is a huge amount at this stage of the season and would almost virtually guarantee our safety. Yeah, and also, when you consider the goal difference that we're um, uh, rocking as well, you could almost say that it's as good as 13 points. Um, with a far superior goal difference, um, it would take something special for um, us to be overturned if we were to win this weekend and bridge that gap to... 12, basically 13 points against a Birmingham team. That would almost, well, it certainly put them in the in one of the more difficult positions as far as um, trying to find their survival. With the way Sunderland are playing, you could almost guarantee um, those two would be uh, finding their way to the very close to the bottom. It would need it would take something special to get them out, along with Burton Albion. So um, to see kind of two of those teams. Uh, go on a a run and win five of their last games would look um, extremely unlikely. So uh, whilst I think that the two wins have been uh, incredibly uh, kind of uh, inspiring from a a City perspective, I think that if we were to go and lose this weekend at St Andrews, that I think a lot of the good work would be undone and certainly leave us right down there in the scrap heap. Whereas I think uh, if if we were to go there and and take all three points, we could almost um, pretty much start assuring that uh, we'll be in the championship again next season, which obviously is our goal. Uh, Birmingham appointed Gary Monk a couple of games ago, which I thought was an interesting appointment from both parties. I think it was uh, an interesting move from Monk because uh, I I rate him as a manager to an extent. I think he's obviously had his issues in the transfer window, was the reason that he was let go by uh, Swansea. But he had a great uh, season with Leeds, even all the way to the end before being poached, I believe, or I think there were some issues with sorting out a new contract with Leeds, and that led him to the Middlesbrough job, uh, from which he was sacked halfway through this season after poor results. But to then sort of drop all the way down to Birmingham, who are now in the relegation zone, it's an interesting one, and I wonder if it's a move he sees as a long-term appointment, whether if they go down, he'd sort of stick with them and, and rebuild them and bring them back up, or if he's just sort of gone in as a firefighter. Um, it hasn't worked out for them so far. Eight losses in a row now, encompassing both the prior steward- stewardship of, I think it was Cotterell who was there, uh, and also Monk now. 
uh, it's looking very uh, grim for Birmingham, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they go over the last few games of the season and, and what Magic Monk can weave. But what, what was your take on that appointment, and, and do you think that's going to have any sort of impact to how they perform over the last few games? I think that Gary Monk is a, a fantastic manager, and he's, he's proven he does have the pedigree. And, uh, and similarly, I think that we're very forget. Well, we've got very short memories, and it was only a few years ago that Birmingham uh, were up in the Premier League, and, and they are a massive club. Uh, Birmingham are a very, very big club, and to find themselves languishing in well, League One and then uh, in the Championship, uh, they've certainly had um, their woes as well in the last few years. So. Uh, obviously, Gary Monk uh, seems to have been on some kind of downward spiral, as you mentioned, with the Leeds and Middlesbrough um, kind of downfall, uh, finding himself at Birmingham. It's probably a surprise appointment in the sense that he would certainly not have expected to be there at the start of the year. Uh, but at the same time, while ever you've got a manager of that kind of calibre, um, the goal for Birmingham is the same way for, for us, is to stay in the league. And I think that they will target this game as a huge one for them. They will know that if they're able to, to get something out of it that it keeps us in the relegation fight and gives them that, that kind of uh, inspirational piece of confidence that they can start to get a bit of a run going. So I, I'm very wary of this game. And whilst, as you mentioned, there are eight losses in a row or, or something on the on the poor form scale uh, like that, uh, I think that this is a very risky one. And I think we still, despite having those two victories, we head in um, uh, very concerned. I think it's going to be a, a cagey affair. Do you see uh, Adkins making any changes from the lineup that beat Ipswich? I think the obvious one would be Hernandez coming in back in up top. Uh, but there would be a bit of temptation for Adkins to really not change anything up. It's a side that's won, well, for the most part, a side that's won two games in a row, especially the 3-0 win against Ipswich, of course. Uh, do you see that side taking the pitch on Saturday? I'm not going to even hazard a guess <laughs> as that Nigel Adkins picked because it just seems to be... Um, rocks and diamonds, uh, you can't even get close to um, kind of thinking along the same lines of that man. Uh, it seems to be a very interesting selection. When I saw the team announced for Ipswich, uh, I nearly had a heart attack because I was so surprised that the team that kind of you know got our tails up and, and pulled that fantastic comeback against Norwich wasn't, uh, you know, not, not unchanged, but I thought there'd be much less changes. So to see the team uh, bringing Hector back and a few of the other big decisions that he made. I was, I was in utter shock and obviously uh, seemed to pay dividends for him. And yeah, and it, we'll... and it should be mentioned, I mean, Hector had one player we didn't touch on uh, when talking about Ipswich. Hector had a great game. So uh, it is good to see those sorts of players who've had poor seasons start to put in some pretty good performances. That's right. And all of a sudden, you've got this mentality in the club that, you know, Michael Dawson, who has probably been guilty of some, some horrible errors in the last few weeks and I think by his own admission, he's certainly not had some games that he could be proud of. Um, to have players to be able to just call on and, and perform in the in the manner that they did it, it shows that there's competition for places again. And, and that's a really encouraging thing in a team that finds themselves um, languishing down the lower end of the, the championship ladder. Um, so it almost seems like we've got that kind of guile back where uh, no one's safe anymore. And, and that's a, a very positive thing when you consider that um, Hernandez and Grzyzki and players of that calibre aren't necessarily guaranteed a look-in. So, uh, I mean, you've already kind of mentioned that you're a bit nervous for this game. Do you have a score prediction? I mean, I'm sort of leaning towards it being potentially a draw. I mean, I, I have this irrational sort of thing of looking at it as, well, we've won two games in a row, so we're due some sort of other result. I, I, I can't see us losing to Birmingham, but I, I'm probably sort of suspecting it'll be a draw. 
the, the fondest memories I have of the uh, trip to St Andrews was the the game that we scored three goals, I think, in the first half, and then ended up uh, for surviving, I think, to win three uh, two. That was the, a, was that the Aluko was scoring in that one, or was that a different yeah, one? Yeah, perhaps it was under under Steve Bruce, and I remember that it was Curtis Davies' uh, return to his old club. Ah, I yeah. think. Um, uh, and I, I just remember that game being a, a very significant game, obviously, to be 3-0 up away from home, <laughs> despite the parallels with Ipswich. Um, <laughs> it's an interesting one. And I think that if we're able to uh, if we're able to go there and, and play with the same confidence, I think that we probably will walk through the Birmingham team. Uh, but it's just such a, a such an indifferent season where you kind of can't seem to get a read on, on where City are at. Uh, that, that kind of leaves me... Um, uh, second-guessing myself as to, to what the result will be. I think that uh, on, on paper we're a far better side, but whether we can go and replicate the performance at Ipswich away at St Andrews, I'm not so sure, but uh, fingers crossed that we, we can go play with the same kind of attitude and, and get the three points and, and almost guarantee our safety. Fingers crossed indeed. Well, thank you for joining me, Logan. It's great to be back doing another podcast, and, and especially with two wins to celebrate. Yeah, certainly. It's been a it's been a very difficult season, and it almost feels like every week that we we come on, we we're sitting and, and talking about the negative things and the unrest around the club. But to be talking football again and to to see us sitting uh, much higher up the the ladder has been a, a joyful weekend. Certainly, um, much positive, much more positive times at the moment, and uh, long may that continue. Long may it continue, indeed. Well, thank you everyone for listening in, and hopefully we're back next week to talk about another fantastic performance. Until next time. Come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning back because you're out.